Take your Bible, please, and open to the book of Psalms, and particularly Psalm chapter 23. You can find this on page 458 of the Blue Bibles in front of you, 458, Psalm 23. As you turn there, let me ask us a question. Who is it that takes care of you? Who takes care of you? And who will take care of you? Kids, you probably know the answer better than any of us and are more ready than any of us to answer that question. You might just say, well, my parents take care of me. I'm glad for those of you who have parents that take care of you. I'm glad God has given you the gift of parents that love you. And I'm glad that it is so clear to you that God has given you the gift of parents to care for you. I hope it's always that way. Did you know that as you get older, adults have a harder time answering the question than maybe you do as a kid? I have to tell you that there are days of my life where you might question me, who is taking care of you? And I might say, I'm, I don't know. I doubt. I don't live with my parents anymore. They don't feed me my meals. They don't pay for my car insurance. And so i am kind of been out on my own. And with that kind of responsibility, I start to wonder, now that I'm not living with my parents, who will take care of me? Well, you as a kid might say, well, that's obvious. Your father in heaven, God, will take care of you. Well, pray for me and pray for other adults in this room, kids, that we would have that kind of clarity. That we would know that God will take care of us. Who will take care of you is... Very much the central idea of a sermon series we're about to start in on in Psalm 23. Lord willing, we're going to spend seven weeks in this one psalm. With our previous series on the church and before that in Acts, we were examining big passages and big ideas about God's work throughout history. So I thought that maybe just for a few weeks, for these next weeks, we could instead consider up close... God's personal dealings with us as his individual people. For these few weeks, we're going to consider that. And then hopefully sometime in September, we'll come back to Acts and complete the second half of the book. The Psalms, if you're not familiar with this book of the Bible, are a compilation of various things. Songs, poems, lamentations at times, all meant to lead God's people in their worship and life with God. Psalm 23 like so many of the other Psalms, was written by a man named David, who was once a shepherd boy and turned king of Israel. The Psalm opens, Psalm 23, 1, the Lord is my shepherd. And that is the orienting idea of the whole Psalm. In each verse, David considers the benefit to himself because the Lord is his shepherd. Throughout our series, we're going to follow David's lead. And each week, we're going to see how having God as our shepherd addresses and answers some of our most basic concerns as human beings. This morning, our needs. My prayer is that our relationship with the Lord would deepen and sweeten as we take time to reflect on how good of a shepherd he is to us. 
So we start there in verse 1. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And here is the main idea of this verse. Because you have a committed shepherd, you will always have what you need. Because you have a committed shepherd, you will always have what you need. I intend for my sermon to unpack that idea in two parts. First, you have a committed shepherd. And second, because you do, you have what you need. So let's begin there. You have a committed shepherd. We don't know exactly when or why David wrote this psalm. But since David himself was once a shepherd, we know this subject matter is an area very well known to him. David wrote this potentially near the end of his life as a praise-filled reflection on how faithful God had been in leading him through his life. Maybe he did. Or we could just as easily imagine him as a young man, long before he became a king, sitting, watching his own flock of sheep. And his thoughts turning to God, the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Scripture says that David was always consistently after the heart of God. Yearning to know God and his word. Perhaps when he wrote this psalm, he was thinking about his care and commitment to his own sheep under his care. And thinking and appreciating that the Lord was the same way towards him. In this opening phrase, the Lord is my shepherd, David says that God is his committed caretaker. Scripture being God's word given through human authors here affirms that this is a way that God wants his people to think of him. Of all the images God would have us carry in our heart and mind as we think of him and as we sing, behold our God King, master, creator, shepherd is right up there and has to be one of the most personal and comforting to the believer. God commits himself to the responsibility of our personal care. A shepherd entrusted with a group of sheep is the sole means of that flock's provision, leadership, and protection. Without a shepherd, the sheep scatter. A shepherd binds his way of life to the patterns and needs of his sheep. He is with them constantly, tending to them, watching over them, mindful of their well-being. So what kind of God is the Lord? He is the almighty God. Who rules all things in majesty and in the splendor of his holiness. Who commands angels and galaxies. And who takes a personal interest in his creatures. And personally commits to care for us. What lengths does the Lord go to shepherd us? Well, this is where the committed care of the Lord defies understanding. David writes, the Lord is my shepherd. And then a few hundred years later, Jesus comes and says in John 10, 11, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. Our God 
sent his son, Jesus, to provide us with the close, attentive, specific, loving, tender, and merciful care of a shepherd. Jesus committed to our safe keeping no matter what. Jesus did not flee at the first sign of danger like the hired hand in John 10, 12. He saw very clearly the cost ahead of, time, of, ahead of him and took us as his flock anyway. Knowing that we face threats and dangers from our sin and the curse that would easily overcome us, Jesus stepped in as a shepherd to trade his life for ours. When Jesus says he lays down his life for the sheep, in case you didn't know what he was referring to, he, he's talking about dying on a cross. On a cross, Jesus dies in our place. On the cross, the punishment that we deserve falls on Jesus. On the cross, our great enemy death, which demanded that we pay death for our crimes against God's perfect law, On the cross, Jesus takes our death and offers us his life. Jesus offers his life as a payment, his bloodshed instead of ours, his righteous life in exchange for our sinful living. How do you evaluate the level of a person's love to another? There's no greater way than the committed sacrifice that Jesus makes for his sheep. Jesus, the son of God, dies caring for his people. His death is the only way any of us could say, truly, the Lord is my shepherd. The forgiveness he provides on the cross makes us new. Makes us free from guilt of our sin. His resurrection life takes us through death and into his eternal life in his spirit. It's interesting to see this in the order of Psalm 22, then Psalm 23 in the Psalter. If you know Psalm 22, you know it's the famous psalm Jesus quotes from the cross. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It describes in detail how low Jesus went to lift us up. And now for those who believe in his sacrifice for them... Well, you have the comfort and assurance that can say the Lord is my shepherd. This is what Jesus, the good shepherd, does. Do you have a good shepherd like him? Do you have anyone, let alone God, who says that they will commit to your care even at cost of life to themselves? you have anyone who could say that and promise it in anything? Well, if not, look to this shepherd. Look to God in trust and faith. Tell him from wherever you are, you want to come out from it, from out of what your sin has done, from out of the ruin of your own choices, and to come home with him from your wandering. If you'd like his life, Jesus, the good shepherd, will lead you out of your death. Is there anyone as committed to our well-being as the Lord? 
We must have had the death and resurrection of Jesus applied to us in order to say God is my shepherd. And if we are to continue in appreciating Jesus as our shepherd, we, um, we must embrace what the Lord is my shepherd says about us. If he is our shepherd, what does that make us? It makes us his sheep. 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 Sheep we are. His sheep, yes, but sheep nonetheless. This is a most unwelcome label for the proud heart. Sheep are vulnerable, needy, short-sighted, dependent. A sheep only thrives when owned and led by a good master. So the Lord is my shepherd is just as much a glad acknowledgement of our need as it is a welcome reception of God's care. The people of God rejoice with the humble anthems that exalt our God and humble ourselves like in Psalm 95, 6 and 7. Come, let us bow down and worship. Let us kneel before the Lord our maker for he is our God and we are the people of his pasture, the flock under his care. Church, Our joy in the goodness of our shepherd will increase with our humility. Those who know they are weak and helpless and dependent without the Lord position themselves nearest to Jesus the shepherd. We know that his shadow is our safety. We know that to be near his hand is to be in reach of the help we need. To be within the sound of his voice is to know that we are surely not lost. You will not be encouraged to stay near to Jesus in humility through the world. Instead, in our current culture, you will be enticed to be your own strength and to be your own master. To go your own way. To trust your own instincts. To go with your own gut. To follow your own passions. Listen. Listen for it. Prove it to be true for yourself. Listen this week to the voices from within. And the within and the voices without. And ask God to help you hear. To hear first and foremost his loving shepherding voice. And that it would drown out all other false appeals by false guides in your life. Jesus calls each of us as a church by name and leads us out together. Warner wrote, he goes ahead of us. We follow him because we know his voice, because he's called us and he's made us to know his voice. All other voices we commit to run away from because we do not recognize those strange voices. And his voice will lead us through hard things. And his voice will lead us through unclear things. And to keep following him will be to embrace our humility. Embrace it especially when Jesus says to forgive each other. Or to work to understand each other. Or to be patient in miscommunication with each other. Or to be gentle in tension when it comes up between us. Or committed through trials. But I think this way becomes easier when we recognize that our shepherd's voice tells us 
not just to arbitrarily follow him, but to follow him in this. It's easier to follow him when we know that it is him. When we know that it is Jesus calling us. And he is a good shepherd. And he is committed to love his sheep. So with that in mind, all of that, that we have a committed shepherd. Let's turn to the second part of the verse. Where we find that having God as our shepherd answers our human needs. The Lord is my shepherd, David says, I shall not want. Other versions clarify what want means. That means lack or need. So in other words, I have what I need. I lack nothing. Let's look at the second truth here in this text. Because you have the Lord as your shepherd, you will always have what you need. Always have what you need. Now there isn't a because in the verse. But it does seem to be David's logic. He can only say the second part of the verse because of the first part. Now this is really important. Because not everyone here has the Lord as your shepherd. Not everyone here is living in dependence on the Lord as our shepherd right now. So if that's you, what do you put at the beginning of this phrase? Let's try some other shepherds out and see if they can provide the same security as God. Money is my shepherd. I will always have what I need. But isn't it so often the case that those who give their hearts to money end up only wanting more? And never satisfied? Sexual intimacy is my shepherd. I will always have what I need. While a good gift within the context of marriage, that alone cannot be trusted to comprehensively provide all that we need in this life. I am my shepherd. I will always have what I need. Our hearts are susceptible to believe this one. But our human limitations tell us the truth. You and I mess up. Our own intuitions are not reliable 100% of the time. When we get our own way, often it leads to damage and destruction of relationship or isolation from others. And our bodies break down and die despite our best efforts to exercise them and heal them. You can also see how dangerous it would be not just to supply a different shepherd, but to flip the verse around and say, I lack nothing, therefore the Lord is my shepherd. Well, this makes our trust in the Lord contingent on whether or not he gets us the job promotion or fills the bank account or takes away the sickness. James 4 verse 3 levels with us. So many times we fill our prayers with selfish asks. Things that we want God to give us just so that we can satisfy our own craving. Your heart and mine cannot always be depended on to reliably tell us our true needs. The truth we start with makes all the difference in where we end up. There is only one way I will not want can be absolutely true all the time. And that is when the person saying it has the Lord as their shepherd. Do you realize that before considering any of our other needs, which we will in a minute, 
Our greatest need, remember, is to know the shepherd. Isn't that what Romans 8 verse 28 underscores? And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him. The deepest way we can know him. Who have been called according to his purpose. The way by which we know him. To know God as father is at one and the same time. To know all your needs will be taken care of. Let me say that again. To know God as father and shepherd is at one and the same time. To know that all your needs will be taken care of. There is never a time. Not even for a second. When a child of God needs to be concerned that they That they won't have what they need. David expresses this with absolute certainty. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. When you come into God's family through Jesus Christ. The father welcomes you at the door and says. Everything I have is yours. Every promise I make applies to you. Oh, Christian, I know that our days bring many questions. And with uncertainty often comes anxiety and worry. But before every day, before the anxiety can present itself as foremost in your mind and on your heart, remember, God speaks over every day. Every day you will live in his grace. This promise, today, you will have what you need. Psalm 23 lists some of the needs this applies to. And we'll go through them individually through this series. Rest. Guidance. A way through death. Protection. Food. Eternal life. Our shepherd promises to meet all these needs. He promises to meet our physical needs. Jesus says so in Matthew chapter 6 verse 25 if you want to turn there. How serious and how true is God being in this promise that he will supply our every need while we can trust the very words of Jesus? Matthew 6, page 811 in your blue pew Bible. Verse 25, listen to what Jesus speaks to you. Illuminating the truth of Psalm 23, 1 practically. Matthew 6, 25, therefore I tell you, Do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to a span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even in Solomon, in all his glory, was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, don't be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. 
Our Lord also provides for every spiritual need we have. 2 Peter 1.3 says his divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. But we might say, I have a hard time believing what you're saying, Philip, because there are needs I have that God hasn't provided for. I've prayed for a spouse, but I'm not married. I've shed so many tears in earnest prayer for the baby that is still not here. I've agonized in financial insecurity, living paycheck to paycheck. Some of the most confusing times in the Christian life result from seeing God call things good and then not giving them to us. But God in Christ has not withheld himself. And in Christ, he will resource us with everything we need. Count on this. Romans 8.32 He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? I don't know what God intends to do in your yearning after the things he's not supplied. For those longing what hasn't yet come, Wait on the Lord. He knows you by name. And he loves you. You know, the absence of something in our life does not mean that we are living in lack or want. We're not living in want just because there are more things we want. There is a truth embedded in Psalm 23.1 that will revolutionize how we think about what we need if we allow the Spirit to shape us with the Word. According to Psalm 23, verse 1, my true needs are what the Lord, my shepherd, promises to give and does give. According to Psalm 23, 1, my true needs are what the Lord, my shepherd, promises to give and does give. Because God always does what he says. This means we need never doubt that our needs will not be met by him. Now to receive this may be hard for us. But I assure you that to receive this is to know what it feels like to be unburdened from the fear that we won't have what we need unless we get it for ourselves. To be unburdened from the fear that we won't have what we need unless we're responsible enough. Unless we think far enough ahead. Unless we plan and steward accordingly. Oh, we can be free from that burden. 
When I go on a hike with my kids, my wife packs a backpack and I carry it. And when our kids say they're hungry or thirsty, the solution comes from inside the burden I've been carrying on on my shoulders. The one they probably didn't even recognize I had been carrying. I have to ask myself, is that how I view the Lord? Friend, the burden to provide for our needs has been hoisted onto the shoulders of the Lord. Yours is to follow and simply wait, sometimes in happy oblivion, for him to take down the back and give you what you need. I have to ask myself, why is this so difficult for me to functionally believe? Why is this truth so freeing? So liberating. Why do I have such a hard time remembering it and living in light of it? Why do I keep finding myself, and maybe you do too, trapped daily in the same worries? Lingering in discontentment with what I have. In part, I think it's because we focus more on the shepherd's choice than on his voice. We, like sheep, look longingly often at a promising pasture somewhere off in the distance, hoping that God's plan is going to lead us to that thing, instead of in the moment appreciating the security of knowing that we can hear Jesus' voice right where we are. Make it your aim to hear the shepherd's voice and trust that whatever choice he has for you, It is what you need. Maybe we have a hard time believing Psalm 23, 1, because we think of God as something other than loving. We think of him and the way that he withholds certain things from us as evidence that he doesn't love us or that he isn't committed to us. So we find increasingly that we, we don't trust him. We don't trust him with everything and over time, maybe not with anything. Because there's a pattern in our life in which we see or seem to mark that he hasn't given us everything we've asked for. I don't pretend, again, to know all the purposes of God in your life. But I have seen him work in the wilderness years of my own life in order to teach me, in order to be able to know for certain, because God's word affirms it is true, that Jesus is your reward. Always. Sometimes our shepherd loves you and me by not taking you to that particular pasture that you wish he would. For you, he may be saying, not yet. For some, it may be not ever. But when our days open with hope for something, and then that same day closes with that desire not being met, We can still end that day laying our head down in the security of our watchful shepherd. He took us another day with him. The shepherd always walks alongside his sheep. Tomorrow will be no different. Part of Jesus' work that the gospel tells us and the gospels tell us about in clarity is that he came to know what want feels like. 
He came and entered into that existence with us. He knew hunger. He knew thirst. He knew fatigue. He knew disappointment. He knew loss of friendship and betrayal. On a physical level, he was well acquainted with not having a lot. So he was with you in his poverty, in your poverty. He was poor. He is with you in fatigue, for he often had nowhere to lay his head. Jesus always walks alongside his sheep. If your present unmet needs seem insurmountable, and you doubt God's love for you and what you face, let me encourage you to do something with that that you might not have thought of. Talk to someone else about it. Especially an older Christian. Talk to a brother or sister who has walked through something you don't think you ever could. Question the saints who have gone before in biographies and in the history of the Bible. They will, with David, testify to the unfailing goodness of the Lord. The history of God's people proves the reliability of David's claim. And I would press you and say, so does your own life. Because Psalm 23, 1 is true Christian, I know the details of your life are always testifying to the truth of God's word. Maybe you've forgotten all the details and you are focused on only some of the details. To help us remember and rest in God's care for us today, Psalm 9, 1 recommends... That we take a habit of regularly rehearsing what God has already done. I will give thanks to you, Lord, with all my heart. I will tell of all your wonderful deeds. So let me give us some homework for this week. Chris mentioned earlier that somewhere, I think page 11 of your bulletin, there is a reading schedule Monday through Saturday. There are Bible readings there that relate to our text today. Let me encourage you to follow that this week, church. Read each passage. And as you do every day, write down three ways this passage demonstrates that the Lord has provided you with what you need. If that's hard for you because of your current circumstances, let me, let me encourage you. Start on day one with a very wide view. Start with your whole life. Surely there are three things you can name from your whole life that show that God has given you what you need. Then maybe on day two, get a little closer to today. Come down to this decade. Next, next day, come down to the month. Then the week. Then yesterday. Then today. And then tomorrow. I think you'll find that as you think about how faithful God has been in recent days, you'll be readier to receive whatever he brings today as more of the same care that he has always shown you. Could we mark, could we mark if asked, seriously, could we mark even one instance where God has betrayed us? No. Oh, but how many pages could we fill with how kind and generous and good and patient 
long-suffering, loving, tender, specific personal love coming from his hand, dedicated and molded and shaped just to fit where we needed it to be, taking us from one day to the next, from one year to the next, from one decade to the next, from birth until death. How many things could we say that declare his wondrous deeds and surely affirm that he is a faithful shepherd? I invite you to begin to find out. Church, here's something for us to talk about even at lunch today after church. Around a meal that hopefully you'll get to share with others in this room or other Christians. Or even with those who don't know Christ that you're seeking to reach out to and minister to. Start a conversation with this as a topic. With this question. How has the shepherd met your needs? Go around the table. Testify to his goodness. How encouraging it will be. For other Christians to hear you testifying to the unfailing love of the shepherd in your life. Part of spiritual maturity and progress is having our eyes and hearts open to see and appreciate what it is that Jesus has given us. So if you want to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 2, you'll see what I mean. Page 953. First Corinthians 2, 9 through 13, Paul is writing to believers and he says this, but as it is written, what no eye has seen nor ear heard nor the heart of man imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. These things God has revealed to us through the spirit for the spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except the spirit of that person, which is in him. So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God, except the spirit of God. Now, we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. And we impart this in words, not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. One feature of spirit-filled people is that they understand what God has freely given. In other words... The process the Spirit has for us is away from grumbling, envy, coveting, and discontentment, and toward gratitude, thankfulness, satisfaction, and peace. Do you see the particular area that the Spirit might be interested in pursuing in your life to that end? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. We can fully say this with the psalmist. And when we can fully say this with the psalmist, we can then know our hearts are at peace. That's when we'll experience a relationship with the Lord marked by trust and appreciation for his specific care in our lives. True peace proceeds from a faith that is confident in God, not in the expectation of a specific provision. The content heart rests in the knowledge that God knows because of who that heart knows God to be. And as we, the church, rest here, we will increasingly become more generous and more benevolent to others. After all, it's not what we give away that we need, 
It's what God promises to give to meet our need. We can never outgive God's ability to provide. Christian, draw deeply from all there is for you in these words. I shall not want. Because you have the Lord as your shepherd, you are personally and certainly cared for. Right now, you are cared for. Later today, cared for. Tomorrow, cared for. Even at the end when death comes, you still will be cared for. When you need resurrection life, your shepherd who has proceeded ahead of you will be there to lead you in it. And if we have that, if we have absolute security, when in death, surely we will lack nothing besides. Because you have a committed shepherd, you will always have what you need. Let's pray. Lord, you know this about us, but I suspect that the hardest thing facing us now in light of your word is to trust you in light of what's in front of us, in light of what we don't know, in light of what we can't control, in light of desires that we've held too close and don't want to let go of. In light of our weakness. The hardest thing. Is not accepting that these words are true. Because they come from you who is altogether true. The hardest thing. For us. Is to be bent. According to truth. And molded. After your likeness. On our own. We cannot do that. Lord, please, please turn our hearts to be joyful in what you give. Even if it just means to be joyful in knowing that you are a shepherd who commits to care for us. Help us to start there and then walk us in all the things you have to teach us as a result. And I plead for the one. Or the many among us. We plead for their soul. We plead for those who don't have you as a shepherd. We plead again. Call out, O Lord. Invite them in. So that they might live in the security of the life that you and you alone can provide. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.